the In Conversation podcast series with author Nigel Beckles. Welcome to the podcast. Get ready for takeoff. Welcome back to my In Conversation podcast series. Advocate for victims and survivors of abusive relationships, Patricia Walton and myself explore what creates an abusive personality, why abusers always seek power and control in their relationships, plus dating and relationship red flags. Well, Patricia, as we both know, abusive relationships are motivated by a person seeking power and control over their partner in a relationship. What makes you think a person seeks power and control? The, the thing is... Um... In terms of power and control, I guess we could look at kind of what the background is of that individual. Is it somebody who's been a child witness of abuse? So is it learnt behaviour? Is it somebody who's experienced some other type of trauma? Or is it simply that the person is just controlling? It could really be, it could be, it could be, it could be a number of those. You know, sometimes people say that some situations are fueled by external influence such as drugs, alcohol, or all, all that kind of thing. I still believe whether those are associated with that behavior, they are in control and they are using power. Uh, people sometimes say, oh, I was out of control. But actually, they're totally in control of, of, what, they're, of what they're doing. Otherwise, this behavior would present itself at work, on the streets, in the supermarkets, and with their friends. And it's generally controlled to intimate relationships. Abusers usually abuse in private so they can keep their behaviour hidden and also maintain their reputations Mm -hmm. out in in public. So it's interesting to think about, is an abuser created or is it a a question of their childhood or their upbringing? They're known for lying, being egotistical, they don't accept responsibility for their behaviour, they can be vindictive and they have very few if any moral values or integrity so how are those type of like the narcissist like the narcissist Mm. indeed which we shall be discussing in a future episode so are these people created in terms of their childhood i've read i've read research where there's an issue around is it nature or is it nurture is it the environment a child grows up in that causes them to become an abuser or is it a genetic thing or is it a combination of the two it could be a combination of the two, but what I was referring to earlier is just that if a child witnesses abuse, it can be learnt behaviour. Because as parents, we model the behaviour that our children often go on to repeat, whether good or not good. And so there's probably one of two things that's going to happen for a child that's raised in a house um, or a home where there's abuse. They're either definitely not going to continue that pattern and, and break it, or they're going to go on and be abusers. So that said, not every child that witnesses abuse will be an abuser. It might even be a child that's been actually physically abused as part of that whole abusive household. So as well as witnessing it, sometimes children are physically abused also. And there's trauma. So for, for, for lots of um, instances, if you look at the child protection register, where children are placed on for their safety and well-being, there is often, or more often than not, there's a link that the child would have been in a household where there has been some form of, of abuse that they may have witnessed. There's a correlation often between the two. When I was growing up, I witnessed domestic violence as a young child. Thankfully, I didn't turn out to be an abuser. You were discussing modelling behaviour. So do children who witness abuse, 
are they more likely to become abusers? Not so much whether they're more likely, but there is there is a great chance that they could go on to repeat that behaviour. Because you sometimes see it even in their play when they're very young. You see the controlling behaviour, the shouting behaviour. Uh, you will see that in their play as a child. So if this is not corrected or nurtured or dealt with, uh, then this could go on to present itself into adolescence and moreover into adulthood. I have read research that says that young girls who witness domestic abuse, they can grow into adults who accept abuse, confusing abuse with love. The truth is there are, there are some aspects or characteristics of uh, a perpetrator that can be confused or fudged with love. And so, for example, if somebody is constantly wanting to know where you are, showing up all the time, wanting to take you everywhere you go, wanting to be a part of your conversations. Sometimes women say, oh, he takes me everywhere. He loves me so much. I never have to make my way back from anywhere. He phones me all the time to kind of see how I am. But actually, that often is abuse and absolutely isn't anything to do with love. So that's where I guess the confusion of the two may come in. Different abusers have different tactics to assert power and control in their relationships. So parts of the power and control tactics can include emotional abuse, isolation, denying, blaming. What other tactics do abusers use? So, so first to comment, physical and sexual assaults or threats to commit those are the, generally the most apparent forms of domestic violence and that they're usually the actions that other people will be able to kind of see and be more aware of a problem. However, there are things like coercion and threats. So making or carrying out threats to do something to hurt the person, threatening to leave the individual or threatening to even commit suicide um, or report that individual to to welfare services. Then there's what's termed as the male privileges. Uh, so treating the, the individual like a servant, making all big decisions, um, acts like the master of the castle, and being the one that defines the roles quite clearly between men and women. Another one is economic abuse. So preventing the individual, you know, preventing the woman from working or keeping a job or saying that they're going to control the money and then the woman has to ask for money or taking her money. But there's also situations where children are used. So things like saying that the mother's not a good mother, using the children to relay images and not speaking directly to, to the mother, saying to the mum they're, they're going to make sure that the children are, you know, are taken, taken away. Those are some of the, the, other, the others. And even with the isolation, I think we touched on that a little bit, where they're controlling who the individual sees, who she talks to. They limit the outside involvement. They use jealousy, try and keep her away from her family and friends. Uh, and, and there you have the, um, the, the isolation. Let's look into dating red flags because prevention is better than cure. And there are a lot of different red flags that can pop up. It's whether we are paying attention. In particular, online dating is very popular right now. What do you think are some of the dangers of online dating? Well, the dangers of online dating is that you often don't have any reference as to who that individual is. You don't really know anything about them. You don't know anybody that knows them. Uh, you're going on face value. You're going on the information that they've presented. For example, on that they could use a photograph that actually isn't even them. And then when you see them, they're someone completely different. Perpetrators are very charismatic. 
So you can get sucked into this great personality and there's no real evidence based. You, you can't sort of go to a couple of friends and say, oh, I met this individual. What is he like? And then they can say, oh, yeah, we went to school together. He's absolutely fine. Great personality. Don't have any real reference. And so there is the danger of being taken up by just what you see or read. Well, it's interesting you say that because in my first book, I included... It's interesting you say that because in my first book, I included a story of a lady in the UK and she met, well, met virtually a guy online who claimed to be in the American army. And she started communicating with him online and she ended up sending him lots of money in installments. And she ended up giving this guy something like over £45,000. And it turned out his profile was totally fake totally fake yeah i've heard that several times yes it's it's very prevalent what i find is women will tend to report if they've been scammed more than men you very rarely see men reporting online or you know reporting to the newspapers they've been scammed and i think that's due to male embarrassment to be quite honest yeah and i guess there is this kind of expectation that men are strong and they can manage things and so they feel sometimes a bit weak if they're having to say actually somebody has scammed me and I didn't see the red flags. They find it more embarrassing I guess because there's that expectation of their male hunter gatherer strong you know dust yourself off fall over what are you crying for. There is that heavy emphasis on males being very strong and able not being so emotional in terms of red flags when dating a person there are also some red flags that need to be looked out for for example excessive compliments or gifts or they quickly claim they found their soulmate or they try to rush intimacy what other red flags do you think they are when you're dating someone in the early stages of dating someone see there are some that sound really irresistible to begin with and so one such as they can't stop telling you just how perfect you are and, you know, who doesn't want to hear that? You're, you're just perfect. You've got no flaws. You know, they can keep going on about that. They can also, as you said, push, they can push the physical boundaries in a kind of an innocent way. So, you know, they're, they're very quick to get into things. They rush this new relationship forward very quickly. It could be that they're saying, oh, I know uh, in just a few days that you're the right person for me. I can see that you can be my, my future wife. They start to try and drive a wedge between you and your family and friends so you know if you're saying that you're not available tonight you're going to meet your friends they'll say oh you know how much I love spending time with you uh, do you think you could perhaps say to your friends or family that you can meet them you know on an, on another day and you can be caught up in thinking oh he absolutely loves me and just wants to spend uh, so much time with me then when you start sharing stories someone that describes all of their exes as crazy and behaves as if they had absolutely no part in the breakup of the relationship. Other individual, all of them were crazy. That so is a, that's a definite red flag. That is a massive red flag. Very, very much so. Because how is it that this individual constantly dates people that are crazy? You know, every single partner, every single relationship they've ever been in. There's, a, there's another one. When you start talking about your family, if you know, if you do, and they don't have great relationships with their parents or they say things that you think mm, that sounds a little bit cruel unless of course that you know we can't discount the fact that they might be saying that because their parents were abusive their attitude changes very quickly that's another red flag you're spending the day together everything's fine and then suddenly they go from zero 
to 100 and they're very angry. So that's that's another red flag where things seem really great and suddenly they snap and then you, you stop for a minute and then they revert back to how they were before. It's very short, but it's one to be, one to be noticed. So there are others, they're quite secretive about little things. So they might ask you lots of stuff about what you've been doing, where have you been, uh, information about your finances, information about work. But when you do the same, they're somewhat, um, they're somewhat secretive. They might even disclose already that their relationship ended because they were unfaithful in their last relationship or even several relationships. You know, looking into your phone and asking you questions about your phone, they might say, oh, don't you think we should exchange passwords? You know, it's a trusting relationship, that kind of thing. Or they guilt trip you every chance they get, make you feel guilty about things. That's, that is definitely another red flag. They've got different financial values to you. Uh, and they refuse to do anything about it. The one that constantly doesn't have any money, wants to borrow money off you and promises to pay you back when they get paid. And then they'll come again before they're able to um, able to do that because there isn't ever going to be any money. And you can find yourself on this wheel of loaning out lots of money and they have a totally different concept of money from the way that, that you do. Or they make you feel stupid. Do something and they constantly making you feel stupid or they refuse to make your relationship public when you're saying oh you've met all of my friends and family how am I going to meet yours oh I, I don't get on with my family I have nothing to do with them or I'm not someone that has very you know very many many friends that's another red flag why what what is it about relationships and them they don't have good relationships with their family don't have good relationships with their friend what is it about relationships those that need constant reassurance about the way they look the thing that they've done, if they've given you something, they want you to constantly reassure them. And I guess also double, you know, double standards is another. You do something, it's wrong. For them, they're going to explain the way out of whatever it is that's gone wrong. And a very, very scary one, which fits neatly into the narcissist, is that they are incapable of apologising, Nigel. I'm glad you made that point, because whether it's a narcissist abuser or just an abuser, they always have to be right. But that's part of their power yeah. and control kind of mindset. And the other indicators for someone in a relationship that is abusive, I feel, is that person always feeling nervous or feeling anxiety when they're with their partner? The mm -hmm. partner has a habit of ruining important occasions such as birthdays, anniversaries, holidays, yeah. or if you're preparing for a, you know an important job interview. So they have different tactics. I mean, the goal of power and control is the same it's just they have different strategies and they may use one strategy in particular more than others or they may well use a combination of strategies but the question i get asked often is can a smart intelligent person become a target or a victim for a relationship predator and i believe the answer to that question is yes what do you think i believe you're absolutely right because it, there's a perception that because you're intelligent because you're smart because you are a strong individual that you cannot befall the hands of a perpetrator. Now, we spoke about the fact that some of the behavior seems irresistible at first. So sometimes it's a slow incline. It's generally not something you'll see all in the first date or maybe the first couple of dates. And so it's a bit of a creeper. So you can fall into this situation very easily and it has no respect for race, creed, job, culture it just has no respect for it you know like i said it's the, the slow coercion of things and also minimizing things very quickly so 
they minimise and deny things that happen. Oh, no, sorry, did it sound like I raised my voice? Oh, no, not at all. I, I, I didn't raise my voice. Or, oh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't realise. Or, you thought I raised my voice, but actually I didn't. And shifting the responsibility of their abusive behaviour, saying, now look what you, you've made me do. The, the victim or survivor is then left thinking, actually, was it me? They start to second-guess themselves. So, yeah, I, I agree with you that whether you're smart or intelligent or both, that you can before the hands of a perpetrator. One of the tactics we haven't mentioned is gaslighting, where an abuser seeks to change the other person's perception of reality. In short, try to drive them mad. I've seen that played out so many times, and I find it actually very, very, very scary, actually. Very scary. It's a tactic in which a person, you know, manages again to gain control and make a victim. That's what it is. It's a form of psychological manipulation. So they covertly sow a seed into the individual's mind and they, the person starts to think, is it me? But it's this real thing of unequal power, again, dynamics and tap into their mind. So I was saying, so gaslighting, um, I've seen it played out so many times. Well, I was supporting a lady a few months ago and she decided to leave her husband who she has concluded is a narcissist. In her decision to leave, obviously she was packing, and her husband uh -huh. began to produce all these missing items that belonged to her. Now, previously, she was asking him stuff like, oh, have you seen my passport? Or have you seen uh -huh. my purse? Or have you seen this particular book? And he would say, oh, no, no, I don't know anything about it. You know, he'd be in full denial. But when she was packing her stuff to leave, he suddenly started to produce all of these missing items. A perfect example of gaslighting. He said... Oh, absolutely, they tell blatant lies. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. They tell blatant lies. Yeah, without a doubt. We shall wrap it up here and get ready for episode two. Thank you very much, Patricia. You are very welcome. Thank you, Nigel. Free phone, 24-hour national domestic abuse helpline. Telephone number 0808200247. That's 0808200247. If you are suffering in an abusive relationship, you are not alone. For men, they can contact the Mankind Initiative. 018-23-334-244 That's 018-23-334-244 Have you ever experienced a relationship nightmare? Come and share your story on a In Conversations podcast. You do not have to use your real name and your story might really help someone escape an abusive relationship. Please contact me on Facebook or LinkedIn. Search for Nigel Beckles. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Please join me for another In Conversations podcast very soon for more interesting and entertaining discussions. Stay safe.